Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello and happy Friday. Thanks for joining us again on the podcast. We've got a great one coming up here with two really cool car debates, and I'm sure we'll talk about, I don't know, a myriad of other things along the way. It just sort of happens. It does, do. for sure, yeah. This is going to be interesting, but first, I do want to remind everybody about Todd's book, Thank the you, novel sir. that he wrote. And on the next podcast, mm-hmm. we are going to be talking about specifically and only this. It's one of our extra podcasts that we've talked about. They're going to be sprinkled in throughout the years mm-hmm. over time. But we thought we'd start <laughs> with his book called Paper Father. It's available on Amazon, and it's a novel he's been working on for the past 10 years, if you can believe it. That, that doesn't make and it sound finally, as cool. I have to admit, that doesn't sound as cool when no, you say it like that. But it anyway. means it's well thought through. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. No, That's no, 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 well no, 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 no. Okay, go on. I have learned as a designer, mm-hmm. and this was confirmed multiple ways that some of the best designs are not they're they're met and arrived at deadline or maybe even passed because that way designers have more soak time to really think things through. I think the same thing could happen with writing as well. So I mean that as a compliment, honestly. I, I hope so. I hope so. With everything gonna, else we're doing, I think that's a pretty impressive accomplishment. I, that my that is the thing about it is there there was that's the thing about the ten years is there's the starting of the writing and then there's the let's build a show and then there's the finishing of the writing. There's a little bit of a break in the middle. We are going to talk about that next Tuesday. For those of you in, interested in the novel, and many of you already told me you are, and thank you. It will be a spoiler-free conversation. Yes. There yes. will be uh, really nothing revealed that, that reveals any big surprises of the book. So we're going to be careful about that. However, having said that, there are also those of you that are asking about signed copies and asking about spoiler-related questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is going to be Mandy, who does all of our merchandise and does a yeah. great job with it. She is working on this, and she and I were just talking about it earlier today. She is working on what we're kind of thinking of like a virtual book tour. We're all on Zoom calls anyway. Yeah, I think so it's a great it, idea. Sometime near the end of January, we're going to do a kind of a virtual book tour. We will have a spoiler-filled conversation for the people that have actually read the book. That will not be a podcast episode. It will be a totally separate thing. Okay. There will be information coming on that. I'll put it on the website when it's all up. None of it's up yet, but we're working on it behind the scenes, which will solve two requests we've had, which is the desire for a spoiler-filled conversation (laughs) and the desire to get a uh, author-signed book. If that's a thing you want to do, I will happily hurt my hand doing that. So uh, we're going to figure that out. Mandy's working on it. That'll be hopefully something we can talk about in more detail on Tuesday's podcast, but that will be the big novel discussion, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to hear your questions. I know you just finished it. Uh, Others will be chiming in as well. It's going to be very cool. Yeah. There's also a nice segue that there into merchandise, speaking mm-hmm. of which, if you go to everydaydriver.com, that's a good way to get to either YouTube channel, that's under the YouTube tab, but then if you go a little bit farther over to the right, there's the store tab, which will take you either to Amazon for jackets, jackets are back, jackets are, are coming, back. Yes, and you can see Paper Father on there if you want it's to on order Amazon it as well, yep. as well, but you can also go to Blipshift, mm-hmm. and under their partner store is Everyday Driver. We've got t-shirts available, and Blipshift is handling most, if not all, of our t-shirts now, yep. and thanks to them, so you can uh, order everything right there. You guys remember the East-West Bowl from Key & Peele? Yes, yes. <laughs> when we I went do. through all the mm-hmm. names, it, it still resonates in my head. So there was one, Quackadilly Blip, 
shift now. So I, okay. I said, that's how you're going to remember it. Quackadilly blip shift. Okay. So that, that's exactly how you can find all those shirts. Exactly. And actually, Daily Triple is back there. There's been some requests for the yeah. Daily Triple shirt. In fact, yeah. I just ordered our own shirt this week because I need Good. a new Daily Triple shirt. Well, I, I have that. a large order to place. I, I ordered a, an American Original shirt as well, which is very cool. I'm excited about Plus that Happiness Ahead squiggle line. I've yeah. never had one of those. I don't know why. I've just never had one of those. I ordered that too. I've that's got my awesome. own shirts coming for Christmas. I'm super excited. I know what's going to happen. Fantastic. Because I ordered them in the middle of like editing four things and I was like, I should do this real quick and then I'll go back to editing. I know they're going to arrive. My wife's going to be like, you had nothing on your Christmas list and you're buying yourself shirts. I know that's what's going to happen. Yes. That's what's going to happen for but sure. See, you get what you want. So I do. yeah, check that out. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. These two debates are very different, very interesting. Mm -hmm, I'm excited mm -hmm. by the results here with what we're going to suggest. Car debate number one is from Tom K., who writes to us, he and his wife are a two Lincoln enthusiast couple. Not only is there something to see there, they both drive Lincolns. They're, they're looking for the date night car. And Tom, I got to be honest, when I heard you were a two Lincoln couple, I immediately thought of a 1962 Lincoln Continental <laughs> to round out your garage. And does then you'd really, be a three say, Lincoln couple. Does that say date night? Well, when the top's down and you're just cruising, I, I, that's maybe, date night. That's totally date is. night. Maybe it is. You're right. But I threw that out. I have other suggestions for you. Second debate is from Flip, who is writing to us as he faces reality about the car that he's always wanted, wondering how mm-hmm. he can get it. Should he get it? Should he continue to aspire to the car he's always wanted? So yeah, that's a really good one. I'm excited about that. Let's jump into Tom K's email here. He will be in the market for a fun car just after the first of the year. So that's less than a month away from this recording. Says, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate <laughs> it. Cool. He's looking for a weekend or date night car. Occasional track day, but really that's not its purpose in life. They have an SUV and a four-door sedan. So really the car they're looking for is a toy. And in capital letters, mm-hmm. it says must be a manual transmission. Yeah. Tom's previous daily drivers have been an NB Miata, and he's had an O2 Boxster S and a Mark VI GTI, looks like, mm-hmm. Golf R and an Evo 10. Okay, and those are genuinely fun, but those are like the greatest hits list right there. there for us. There's good stuff there, but this is back in the vein of what we're talking about. So we're not going to have anything out of the Lincoln lineup that solves this fun date night car. That's true. That's true. Unless it's a '62 Continental, it's Unless a cool it's date that, night I guess, car. Yeah. Dropped, you know, stereos booming. Come on, <laughs> we'd like you to get a stanced car because nothing says date night. Date <laughs> night, like, honey, we're going to drive low and slow. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing says romance. Exactly. Yeah, like dropped to the ground. He's driven the GT350 a couple of times. He says, as well as a 2015 Z28. Now he likes the GT350, but it's not quite what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. He says the interior is a bit of a letdown. Well, yes, after you get out of any German car, yes, yeah, that's that's difficult for sure. Get this. He has also driven a lot, a bunch, a plethora of 911s, a 3.2, a 964, a 993, and a 996. Were you making a film about all the 911s when you did this, Tom? It almost (laughs) feels like you were lining them up for a purpose. We we line them up when we go, where's the camera? But I take your point. Keep going. Right, But he is throwing all those out because he Mm. is taking our advice and wants a new experience. Interesting. Okay, I like it. The repair bills... On the Italians that he can afford, scare him. 
<laughs> Things like F-355 and F-348 and the Mondial and the 308s and all that kind of stuff. He, he could buy them. Yeah. He's terrified of what they will cost to own. Yes. He's curious on our thoughts of a V8 Vantage versus a manual transmission Jaguar F-Type. Oh, that's a good, good pairing. I like it. Both of those are excellent. He says also, maybe should I throw in a Vora in the mix? Sure. What else? He says the budget is $40,000 or so. Now, note to Paul, he says, or so doesn't mean $50,000. So this means closer to 40, 40 grand, Paul, than 50 grand. I'm just letting you know. Closer to 40. Closer. That means, look, I'll, I'll even give you this. That means below 45. That is technically closer to 40 than it is to 50. Really? That is the way the rule would work. Well, he does go on to say that she who must be obeyed might allow another couple of grand if he finds the right car. I think I found your right car. But another couple of grand means 44 grand. I might it have doesn't mean 54 a, grand. A little bit above that. Yeah, of course you did. Now, he has heard us wondering about Lincolns on the podcast, mm-hmm. and they have two of them. Okay. His wife just got a 2020 Nautilus, and she loves it. Okay. She was about to buy the CX-5, he says, and wanted a bit more space. And then Tom bought a used MKZ hybrid for his 80-mile commute. He's put less than 50,000 miles on it in two years, and it, it's been trouble-free. Mm-hmm. He says they're boring but comfortable, and the dealer experience is great. Now, We've this been is hearing things about the dealer yeah, experience. Yeah, this is interesting from Tom. Tom is the probably the second or third person we've talked to in the last probably six weeks yeah, who has gone, that. I'm not kidding, on and on about the, the Lincoln dealer experience. Mm-hmm. And the best comparison I have for you is they're doing at least as well as what Lexus does and possibly more. That's that's surprising. Let let me give you the crazy thing that we've heard about the Lincoln actual maintenance. You know, you go to a nice dealer and they Mm -hmm. give you a loaner. Mm -hmm. In in fact, so far, this is the reason my mother-in-law keeps buying a Lexus is because she absolutely wants a loaner car when she takes her car. And this was the big tipping point. And now she won't go anywhere else. Lincoln has one-upped that. They will come to your house with the loaner, pick up your car to take it back for service and leave you the loaner. You don't even leave the house. That's unheard of anymore. Or work. They'll come to your work and do it. That's unheard of. So your day is just moving along and your car got swapped in the middle of your day for service. And then eventually they swap it back. That's what, what that's that a is. new level, honestly. And, and, and if you think about how successful this kind of model was for Lexus, this is Lincoln trying to get noticed, trying to embed people into the Lincoln brand because of service they can't get elsewhere. That's impressive, genuinely. I, yeah, we keep wondering about the Cadillac versus Lincoln battle. And five, ten years ago, it was all about Cadillac. Yep. Cadillac has dominated for years. And here we are finding ourselves not really joking too much about Lincoln's anymore because the roles have reversed. Mm-hmm. Cadillac doesn't seem to really offer too much as far as compelling, interesting things. Now, there's some things we haven't driven quite yet. True. There's, there's stuff coming, yeah. Black wing labeled kinds of things we haven't. Sure. And yeah, V-series yeah. kinds of cars we have not driven yet. Mm-hmm. But as far as an overall lineup, it's been interesting to watch Lincoln go almost entirely SUVs. Yeah. Not yeah. just, you know, a mix of things. <laughs> Be inspired by Range Rover Mm -hmm. and then add the level of service that almost every other car manufacturer doesn't offer. Fair point. Yeah. They want your business. And I'll be honest, I had a Nautilus turn my head the other day too. I kind of went, look at that rate. Lincoln, Mm. what are you doing here? What are you doing? Crowding out my brain cells, competing for attention. (laughs) But Tom has got the Lincoln thing covered. Here we have uh, a close, Paul, 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 close to 40 grand. 
for a new experience. <laughs> I want to speak to the ones you've already brought up real quick, Tom. You said uh, Aston Martin versus Jaguar F-Type. Honestly, the Aston is going to feel more special. It's going to seem more special. Definitely. Than the F-Type. Definitely. The flip side of that is I also believe that the Aston is going to be significantly more expensive to maintain. Sure. And I sure, also think sure. because it will feel more special and seem more special when you drive it, I think you're going to be more precious with it, which makes me wonder if it might yeah. be the wrong call. Yeah, we want whatever this car you get, however you drive it, so we want you to go drive it. Because I'm concerned about the precious factor of that car and the potential maintenance costs of that car, I think the F-Type might win over those two, even though if you, if you just gave me two of them with no mm-hmm. consequences, I'd pick the Aston. But not by a ton. Yeah, so I'd I think pick the Aston too. So I think the preciousness factor and just the usability factor of the F type might be high, might be better. Yeah, that equation might be better. So I think the F type might win. Yes, you could get Navora for forty to forty five. However, and I say this as a guy that looks, you're talking about an early Avora. Now, the very early Avoras, the first couple of years, the uh, the clutches are quite expensive to maintain. You were worried about the engine out procedures on the old Italians. It's not that bad, but it's not far away. Mm. So the mm. early Avoras, I love them, but the car becomes, how do I put this? The Lotus questions, the lessons that I learned as a Lotus owner, those become fewer the more that Evora got refined. By the time they hit right. the Evora 400, right. that's a car that I would just say buy. Now, I would okay. buy an early okay. Evora and not think twice, but I think by the time you get to the 400, the 430, the GT, the ones they're doing now, I'd just say buy one if you want one, but they're not forty grand. So just be aware of that with the Evora. I've got a couple others, but those are the ones you mentioned, so I want to t- toss to you, Paul. I had this crazy nutball wild card that I thought of. Oh, good. Okay, great. It also has a Lotus badge. Oh. It's an early 2000s Lotus Esprit twin-turbo V8 manual for $35,000. Those are very cool. They're very They're cool. really, really cool. Yeah. I don't know about... The maintenance and the reliability and all the things that Todd was talking about, the Evora, mm. now applied to the model that was not as refined and maybe not quite as well engineered. And not running a Camry engine, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, what a sweet car when it runs, mm-hmm. and I yep. don't want that for you. I want the coolness factor because who do you know with a Lotus Esprit? You're right. You're right. I mean, you're rocking one of those. That's cool. It's very cool. You just yeah. want to get it in drive. The seating position in those is very strange. Mm-hmm. The instrument panel... Doesn't seem well thought through. It's a box in front of you, yeah. But the overall shape, such a cool car. Very cool, yeah. That's the crazy way out there. <laughs> I like it. Pulling it back was my thought about Acura <laughs> NSX's first generations. Oh, sure. That's a great choice. Interesting, but 40K is not going to get you the real one that you want, the really nice one. Yeah, but I think you'd still like that car. I do, too. It's the opposite because we know it's going to run. Mm-hmm. It won't continue going down in value very much. It's a great it's just point. just kind of hang out. But a $40,000 NSX is kind of at the very low end, like scraping the bottom True. of the barrel. That is the, kind cars, of the bottom of the market. You're right. Yeah. Which is why I'm introducing you to a larger budget. If I say NSX, <laughs> I'm just getting I'm, you used to I'm going to come back budget. in a couple minutes when Paul's finished with this part. Yeah, go on. Although I think I did find your car. You mentioned Italians early on, and that caught in okay. my mind. Okay. Just, I thought, okay. You're intrigued with Italian cars somehow. You, you, you want it, but you don't, but you're worried about them, but you're intrigued. And if you okay. could get into an Italian car somehow, mm-hmm. I think you would. I'm reading between the lines. Are you, I think you would. Are you, are you walking him over? Are you, are you 
ushering him toward Maserati right now. <laughs> Welcome to Maserati. Just kidding. Nope. I am not actually. What I want you to go find is a 2015 Alfa Romeo 4C Spider. Oh. They're not manuals. They're not manuals, yeah. But I think you won't care once you drive it. It is interesting. Italian. It has the pre-preg carbon fiber, the unidirectional carbon fiber yeah. monocoque yeah, chassis. Yeah. It has the twin clutch, the six-speed twin clutch. It sounds like half a Ferrari. <laughs> it's the size of half a Ferrari. It yeah. looks like half a Ferrari. It does. It, it ha- and those are compliments. It had all the pieces to be a Lotus Elise replacement. Didn't quite get there, but it is. I will say this. Watch our mid engines and mountains piece. Yeah. If you're going to go on a road trip, I'd rather be in the 4C. There's an aura of specialness about it. Absolutely. Because you don't yeah. see them, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what they cost. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. for the people looking at them. Yeah. For they, you paying for one, that's a different story. They seem exotic. They seem expensive. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of exotic, I, I think your money will be well spent. I think you'll you'll nod an agreement. You're like, yeah, I think we did good. I really mm-hmm, – I'm mm-hmm. glad I spent the extra dollars because 2015s are under $50,000. They're not 45 is the problem. Yeah. They're between 45 and 50. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Anything newer than that, they go up astronomically. I'm seeing close to new ones for eighty, ninety thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah. But that just means a twenty fifteen looks and feels like an eighty or ninety thousand dollar car. Mm, okay. All so right. I'm I'm really trying to paint the picture here for yeah, you. Yeah, I see where you're going. They're not forty five to forty. They're not yet. Mm-hmm. But just above that, just tantalizingly out of reach. <laughs> you wind up with something pretty special there. I agree yes. with that. Yes. Okay. All right. And because you said this is a date night, it's a toy, and you're gonna be looking for excuses to take it out, and mm. it is just genuinely fun and a blast to drive on anything seven tenths in that area as far as your speed and yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. doing on track there's other track cars sure, you're not sure, gonna, sure you said that's not the purpose yeah but it's italian it was built in modena italy hmm. it's truly an italian car i do like that i like that and your original nsx i think both of those are excellent excellent choices i have two others i don't even know that i like my other choices as much as yours but i have two others i want to bring up that tom didn't bring up okay one is go get yourself a BMW M2. Oh, cool. With sure. the manual transmission. Sure. You've got you've got a German car again, but you haven't owned a BMW. You've got a German interior. Get that with a manual. Now, now, better than that is if you can find the deal on a BMW 1M that is in your budget. You might find so one like 50, at 45, 45, 45 to 50. To 50. Yeah. See, yeah, that's the problem. Yes. So it, that's good. Can, I like that. If though. you can step up to the 1M, the 1M will hold its value better and is legitimately the car I would pick instead of the M2. Very true. But Very true. the M2, there's nothing wrong with the M2 either. And then the other one I thought of is, I'm trying to think about cars you haven't had at all. And you've hit on some great ones, Paul, but what about a Corvette C7, the generation that's just finished, the last of the front engines? Okay, okay. You can find Corvette C7s for your money. What you want... And I don't think, and I think it's a little bit of a push. Is a Grand Sport. I don't think they've come I down agree. far enough yet. I agree. But the Grand Sport's what you want because it's the bodywork and the refinement and the suspension of the Z06 without the crazy engine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is kind of the best of all worlds in many ways. So the Grand Sport's awesome if you can pull that off for your budget. If not, step down to the standard C7. You know what? They've got solid interiors. They, I mean, you don't have the Camaro or Mustang interior problem. It isn't a German interior. I take that. But I think if you haven't looked at a C7 Corvette, it's worth it. Gosh, you got me thinking about 1Ms again. They're, but they're so not good. 40. 
They're they're forty five to fifty, but they're gonna but, but it's the Lotus Elise thing. Yeah, you're gonna buy one, and in five years, it's gonna be the same amount you bought it for. True, but I don't know if those will ever touch forty. To be honest, I think as a collective enthusiast car, they're just worth more in all our minds. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's not a typical used car thing, and it doesn't apply to that car. Yeah, and I don't know. Look, I'll be honest. I don't know that the one M is enough of a date car. It's a fun car. I don't know if it's enough of a date car. I yeah. do think the NSX is a great one. I really love. It. I haven't even thought of it. First tough. in NSX is really, really solid. I like that. All that's, three that's of these, the ones you want, are between forty-five and fifty thousand. Sadly, but we're that's trying nuts. anyway. If you park outside during the cold months, you know, overnight at home or while you're at work, you need a car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the Custom Weather Shield HP Car Cover. It's designed for dramatic water dispersion while still being breathable and really lightweight. It has superior paint finish protection too. On the underside, it's less abrasive than flannel. Our cars are an investment, from our personal fun cars, our own cars, and SUVs, all the way to our cheap sports cars. Covercraft is focused on protecting the car or SUV or truck that you love, too. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, remember to use the code every day to get a 10% discount plus free shipping. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers that keep your car protected and looking its best. This next car debate is for Flip, and Flip has a story I did not see coming. How do I put this tactfully? You know those jobs that make the world work that you don't think about yeah. until you meet somebody that has one of those jobs and you just go, you actually make the world work Yeah, with a job yeah. I didn't think about having to exist. But the minute you tell me you do that, you do that for a living and it has to exist. Flip is a sewer technician. By the way, I'm not talking plumber. I'm talking sewer technician. And in the current situation, here we are in the back of 2020 with COVID madness. In the current situation, they're down to hazmat suits. Unbelievable. Because that's what's required. This is how the world works. It's jobs like what Flip does here. So, man, I love that you listen to the podcast. Love that you wrote in. And all of the madness going on in life as you're wearing a hazmat suit to work has caused you to go, I've been dreaming about a car. I think I might need a fun car now. The story goes like this. Flip's got a bit of a problem. Since the day it's come out, he's always loved the R35, the Nissan GTR R35. It's been his dream car since he was a wee boy in 2009. He's always aspired to have it, and it's been his longtime goal since it hit the market. Today, Flip is 28 years old and a sewer technician, he says. Through doing that work and some side business that he started, he's slowly climbing the ladder, he says, up the ladder of capitalism towards his dream car, <laughs> okay. the R35. But in the face of COVID, he says, worldwide, since his work includes him just working straight in the sewers, that's what he does, mm-hmm. he feels like every day he risks death by putting himself at huge risk to contract the disease. Wow. Wow, man. Thank you. But that's crazy to think yeah. about. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. They're in hazmat suits, as Todd said, but it takes only one mistake when you're shedding your suit to contract the disease, no matter how careful you are. Just living with that hanging over your head. Yeah, that's tough. Heavy. That's really tough. And that's created, I hate to, to do the YOLO thing, but it's created that thing. It's created the you only live once reality yeah. where he's just going, I'm 28. I have 40 grand saved up toward my fun car, but my GTR isn't 40 grand. Right. So this is the crux of this. Does he keep saving toward a GTR or does he buy something fun now because he could buy something fun now for 40 grand and he saw me coming. Did you see this? <laughs> he saw my question coming. Flip then says, "By the way, 
I have never driven the R35. He knew I was going to ask. Of course. He of knew course. I was going to say, have yeah. you driven this car? And he said, I'm just going to just going to cut you off at the pass. I've never driven one. But this is this is that pedestal car for him. Yeah. It's yeah. the nothing else can touch this, but his budget can't touch it yet. He's looking at $60,000 to get a decent R35. So the question is, he's starting to wonder, should he just go and buy something that he can enjoy now because he never knows how long he has? Or should he hold out for his dream car, the R35? Wow. His fear is if he does love it after driving it, that it'll become more agonizing to wait because he still has another two and a half years before he reaches his budget of $60,000 to buy one. So he's scared to test drive one. Yeah. Thinking this is so he'll interesting. love it and it'll confirm everything he loves about and it. He's and now he can't waiting, stand waiting. waiting. Yeah. waiting. This is interesting. I like this slip. I've got some thoughts for you here for sure. His car history is only consistent with Infinity G35 X's with a flame tune, he says, that he bought as his first car and he's had ever since. I like this slip. The big thing that I take away here is you drive a G35 all-wheel drive. You want a GTR. You're a Nissan guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the big thing I take away from this is the fact that you haven't driven that GTR and you're holding off on driving it because you're worried you're going to like it. So flip my entire wow. round of recommendation for you is twofold. One, I think you need to buy something before you get this GTR. That's the first thing. But to get you there, I have a list. My list is not cars. My list is drive homework. Okay. I want you to go on Turo or Haggerty Driveshare, which is Turo, but even more focused toward enthusiasts. Put some money aside right now. And I want you to drive. I'm going to give you a list of six cars outside the GTR. I want you to drive the GTR as one of them. But out of the six cars I'm listing, I want you to pick three. Okay. And go get an actual day rental and drive those cars on roads you know. Because the big thing I want you to do is separate that GTR from the end-all, be-all that is in your mind. It may still be the car for you. Okay. You may yeah. drive it and decide that's it. I can't have anything else. We're done. Yeah. I am a Nissan guy, and that is my car. That's fine. But I don't want you to decide that having not driven other things that might just surprise you. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So here I go with this real quick. Again, Turo, DriveShare from Haggerty is great. I've got my Lotus on DriveShare. I mean, you've got all kinds of stuff on there. That's you've true. got Honestly, we've seen like 21 window vans on DriveShare. It's like, I don't want to drive that, but somebody does. <laughs> there's, you know what I mean? There's a lot of It's awesome a lot of crazy stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So go drive the GTR. I understand. I understand that it may create a problem, but I want you to really know what it drives like because I also suspect it doesn't drive like you think. I don't know what your perception is. I have no idea, mm -hmm. but I bet you it's not going to drive like you think it does. I agree. So I go agree. drive the GTR. But then here is my list of other drive homework. The Mitsubishi Evo 10. That's good. That's drive that good. with a manual transmission because yes. the Evo doesn't come with one. Mitsubishi Evo 10. Drive a BMW M2. Okay. Like that. Drive a Cayman. Drive any Camaro. This is you can, tough drive homework yes, you're assigning. This drive, isn't just. This is almost extra totally. credit right here. Drive any Camaro you can find with a one LE pack. Okay. I don't yeah. care if it's a V6. I don't care. Just go drive one with a one LE pack. Right. You have to find roads with corners for all of these. By the way, true. You're a Nissan guy. Go drive a 370 with the six speed. That's good. You're a That's Nissan good. guy. And my last one is you need to drive a ND2, a second. The updated version of the current Miata. I don't care if it's hard top or soft top. I don't care. Drive the current Miata with the current updated engine. I've given you six cars outside the GTR. I want you to drive the GTR and three others out of that list. 
my question for you is this. Did none of those cars intrigue you? Mm. None of them. Because everything mm. else on my list, you could get for 40 right now. You could get for less than 40 So if none of the rest of those cars intrigued you, at least now you're saving toward the GTR knowing that it is that pinnacle you think it is. But I suspect mm. that something on that list you're going to drive and be like, I had no idea this was so good. You still like the GTR? You've True. Dr- and you've driven it True. now. But you're going to drive something else on the list and be like, I could have one of these right now, and I really love this right now. That's fantastic. I I completely agree. Flip, I'm going back and forth. I am flipping back and forth. And that is from one side of me that wants you to just go get one. Mm -hmm. I want to give you permission and say, go for it. Do it. Do it now. Get your dream car. Do it. Go. But the other half of me wonders, once you do, I wonder about the preciousness factor. Because now that you've cheated and I've got it. And I can't take it out on a, on a street. What do you? Are, I, I actually drive it. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. I've got it now, but you mean take it out? <laughs> Go drive it hard. What if? No, fill in the blank. What yeah. if? Yeah, the mm-hmm. list of what ifs. What mm-hmm. if? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. First door ding. I oh, wonder about that. That'll be catastrophic. Yeah, I know. Honestly, I know. the first door ding will wreck your week. This is what we've got to get you away from. Honestly, I know. Honestly. I know. The second part of that is, let's say you buy it. You've got it. Mm -hmm. And I almost hear that you would not ever give yourself permission to get rid of it and move on from it in the future. Interesting point. Yeah. Because now you've got it. I've got my dream car. Finally, I've achieved it. Mm -hmm. Now what? Yeah. Agreed. I've, I'd live with it a few years, have it two, three, four, still like it. Still good. Mm -hmm. And people Mm -hmm. ask us all the time, do I get rid of this car? We tell them, you don't have to fall out of love. You don't have to dislike your car yes, to get rid of it. True. But would you, in this situation, would you give yourself permission mm. to mm. get rid of it? Because I'll bet you've told everybody, all your friends, all your family, everybody oh, yeah, you know yeah. is probably sick of you talking about <laughs> Nissan GTRs. And if you pull up in the drive and something else, there's going to be an explanation. Yes. But that's okay. And that is okay. So this other half of me mm. does want you to discover other things, mm-hmm. other cheaper things, things that are in your budget right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the cars that Todd just listed. You can, but then if you do that, you'll always look longingly to the side when you see a GTR. But he's got to drive one. He needs to drive but home with that car. I for fully sure. agree. Do not hold yourself back from driving it. And the other thing is, what are the elements about the GTR that you do love. Mm, Can you mm-hmm. break those down instead of that's my favorite car ever? Why? Why? Mm-hmm. What about it is your favorite? Mm-hmm. Is it the driving dynamics? Well, you don't know. You've never driven one. Well, mm-hmm. it must be the style. Well, maybe you think style's okay, but is it the spec sheet? Is it truly this mm-hmm. hammer, this world beating supercar spec sheet that I can destroy everything or just knowing that? It's like a Ferrari driver. You never see Ferrari drivers really driving fast. They know they can beat almost everybody, but they don't. They don't go use it. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Porsche yeah, drivers yeah. do and Lotus drivers, but you know. Separate thing, separate conversation, yeah. So you'd have this thing and you'd you'd be secure in the knowledge that I could take anybody. Would you use it? Mm-hmm. Would it ever 
touch Redline ever? Great Would you ever wear through your 20-inch set of wheels and tires? Well, but that's the thing. Driving it randomly to Starbucks, you will still wear through those tires. Exactly. Did you have any fun getting <laughs> yes. there? The, the, the R35 is a consumption machine. I mean, people yes. we know complain about their M cars because, wow, this thing just consumes tires. I'm like, the GTR is literally saying, hold my beer. It takes, it <laughs> yes. runs through consumables at a frightening rate. Especially these early cars. When we drove the 2009 R35, I was backing out of my driveway, and the car skidded to the side because of the way the all-wheel drive system works. Mm -hmm. At high speed, wonderful, but it was making all kinds of weird clunks and thrashy noises and metallic grinding sounds, and I'm going, (laughs) this is a brand new car. Did I break it doing something? That's just what it does. What did did I do? And then because the all-wheel drive, it would would skip because of the... The actual <laughs> the rotation, gearing, yeah. the gearing in the, in the transmission. And it would just slide across and finally it didn't like being backed up. Mm-hmm. Didn't like going slow. Complained then, constantly about going slow. That same all-wheel drive system can go around a corner at 100. And not even bother you with the fact you had to do it. It's fine. Yeah. So therefore, talking all this through out loud with you, Flip, I think it's like my grandfather. He always had six months of travel on his calendar. Okay. All right. If you get something that you can't afford now and you discover driving dynamics and then own a car for one, two, three years that mm-hmm. isn't the GTR and you'll love it and you'll spend time with it and you'll mm-hmm. enjoy it. And mm-hmm. then maybe by then you will be have enough money to go buy it. Maybe they will be less at that point. Maybe you'll think, huh, why did I ever like that car? I, I can't put my finger on it. He has I'm, to drive one. I'm not convinced that'll happen. I but agree with you, but you have to drive if one. If you haven't you driven know. one and it's your favorite car ever, my question to you is why? And also, but I really think it's also important that you don't just drive that. Agreed. You have to drive Agreed. other things. Look, the G37s, we liked. We liked the Infinity, but I don't get the sense that you have a lot of drive experience in lots of kinds of other performance cars. Mm-hmm. And I'm also concerned about if you just go drive a GTR, I think your fear is exactly realized, Flip. I think you'll be like, oh, that thing's amazing. But you have no frame of reference. I think if you, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm hell bent on drive homework for you, man. If you drive a few other things around it, you still might decide GTR is the winner, but you're going to have a completely different perspective even on the GTR. And it's fine if you do. You should. You could drive all those things and be like, yeah, 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 Todd and Paul, yeah, yeah, great. Still like the GTR, that's my car. Great, but now you're going to know exactly why. Yes. It's not just going to be because the GTR is better than other things you've driven. Well, now I'm thinking about the order in which drive homework is done. Oh, wow. We've we really never are talked about that. Okay. All because right, what going. if he drives the GTR first and then all the rest of them and thinks, huh, I like this one, this one, this one better. Or what if you drive all of them first and then the GTR and apply everything you just learned mm. and then you finally sit in the driver's seat of the R35 and think, her, it's not doing the thing that I just discovered about this other car, whatever that is. So is there an order? Mm. I'm asking us, us as an audience, I, us rhetorically, hmm. is there an order? We've never decided on the order in which you should perform your homework. Wow, that's interesting. That's because really now, yeah. for Flip's situation, it does affect his perception. It might. It might. If he drives oh, yeah. it first, drives the R35 first, yeah, I don't need to drive those other cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. Great. But what if something is, I what if a discovery think, is made? Mm, I was originally going to say, this is a great sub-question, Paul, because I was originally going to say R35 first, but you know what? Now that I ponder it, I think it's later. I kind of do too. I think go drive the other things, find a good road, see what you like about those. 
wind up in the GTR. And you need here's the other, thing, the other reason I'm recommending these drive share programs is because you need to do the same route with each car. Thank you. Agreed. Yes. So find a route, rent the cars, and again, find out of that list of six others I gave you. What three can you get your hands on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Spend honestly. I think that will be money very well spent for you. Mm-hmm. Find those three other cars. Do the exact same route in all three of them. Then drive the GTR. And if the GTR is Godzilla, as we all know it to be, and it is still the winner, that is fine. But the, the interesting thing is, Flip, you're going to be able to define why. Flip, if you have these other cars in your life and you live with them, you buy something else besides a GTR, a GTR is always going to be out there. Yeah. And on one hand, that's a good thing because you'll always have it to look forward to. Mm-hmm. If that truly mm-hmm. is the thing you decide you still want after doing all this, going through all this effort, and it's still out there, you'll have it to look forward to. And that's exciting. Oh, the questions. You guys are awesome with questions. Thank you so much. I know we ask twice a week, but you do a fantastic job of it. By the way, for the next podcast, we're going to ask for questions about writing because <laughs> that's all we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So it's not going to be cars. So that we will, I'm sure we will somehow segue into cars randomly because we just can't stop ourselves. But let's talk actual car questions here. I'm going to start here with Petrolhead2003 on Instagram says, what's the difference between four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive? I'm not going to do this great, I will admit, but I'll give you the the headlines. Four-wheel drive is something you can turn on and off. It is a rear-wheel drive bias system. If you have a four-wheel drive car, it is currently running. Typically, it's on big trucks. It's currently running rear-wheel drive, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you switched it with a transfer case on your transmission. That's really the difference. usually has a transfer case. Into now you've locked it up. Yeah. You used to have to crawl. Remember crawling across the hood in the mud to flip the hubs? No, I remember my dad crawling across the hood. <laughs> exactly. Watching him I remember to flip watching the hubs. my uncle do that. You're, you're <laughs> knee deep in mud and he's climbing out the passenger side and yeah. sliding across the hood to lock the hub. None of that exists right now. Exactly. Now you can sit in the Wrangler. We've done it with a Starbucks. We have done this. Put it in the low range, hit the button that disconnects the sway bar while you sit in a heated seat. Uh-huh. Times have changed, but the point is. It was rear-wheel drive. You have a transfer case that goes into heavy-duty, low gears, and locks up the transmission to become four-wheel drive. If you go to low range, it actually has all four wheels turning at the exact same revolution. This is for heavy-duty, rock-crawling, I-need-real-grip. That is what four-wheel drive has typically been for at its best. Yep. Yep. But if you have a four-wheel drive car and you try to do something like, I don't know, U-turn, (laughs) <laughs> You're going to need eight lanes of traffic right. because everything's locked together. Right, right. All-wheel drive, typically found on cars and SUVs, generally is a front-wheel drive biased system that is running all the time. Now, I have all-wheel drive on the Cayenne. Mm-hmm. It is 60% rear to start. So it is the opposite. It is an all-wheel drive system that is more rear biased. Generally, it is a front-wheel drive chassis that is sending power to the rear. Every company does it different. Every Car within the company does. I think Toyota has four different all-wheel drive systems in their lineup. Four. Yeah. As far as the yeah, way they yeah. actually move power, there was a whole presentation uh, at, yeah, at a Toyota event about just which cars in their lineup get get which. And I'm not saying they don't work. I'm just saying every one of these cars got a different all-wheel drive system. They had four of them. They're all different. Just kind of depends on so, the budget of the car. All-wheel drive is a front-wheel drive biased system generally that is always sending power to all four wheels. And there isn't that transfer case low-end gear. Wonderful segue into Jenny Hamilton's question on Facebook, who asks, which option is better for the car-tire combo in the winter where ice is a concern? First, front-wheel drive car with snow-rated tires. 
Second, a rear-wheel drive car with all-weather tires or all seasons. No, no, all weathers. Oh, all weather. You're right. Not you're all right. seasons because that's coming. They're Th- different there is kind of tires. You're right. Or thirdly, an all-wheel drive car with all-season tires. In the ice and snow, in cold temperatures, mm-hmm. ultimately, it matters not how the wheels are driven and where they're driven. Mm-hmm. The contact patch between the car and the ground is what matters. You're talking ice. Let's just identify ice. That is yep. the stuff yep. that separates the car from control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that particular patch is the most important thing that I want you to think about and concentrate on. And therefore, I will say as a broad generalization, any doesn't matter the drive wheels of any car. I will take any which drive <laughs> all of the above winter tires on the ice and snow mm-hmm. before I would parse it and break it down further mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. that doesn't mean well i guess it, in one sense it kind of means whatever you drive get those winter tires mm-hmm. if you're dealing with ice and snow and here's the thing how much ice are you dealing with because i know there are places in the country in the world where you don't really get snow but the entire hillside is ice yes and at this point you kind of have to start talking studs if you're talking about that true. level of ice that's the next level. none of these are really going to solve it you're going to have true. studs if you're talking sheet ice now you and i don't get that very here. true we get plenty of bad weather but we don't get that terrible sheet ice that hangs out on roads so you and i don't run studs the temps vary and therefore it'll warm up enough and so in most yeah. places most people don't need studded tires true because true. winter tires have gotten so good one actual little add to this I want to clarify all weather versus all season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A snow tire has the the triple peak snowflake on the sidewall, and that means it is rated to actually run in snow. And a lot of times, full snow tires, full winter tires, aren't that great in the dry. The all seasons can be better. Oh, of course. But but the all weather tire is not an all season tire. An all season tire does not have that triple peak snowflake icon on it anywhere because it's not actually snow rated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they can kind of get by but not really right. the thing is about the all-weather tires and actually jason finsky on engineering explained just did a really good video about this they are an attempt to make a tire for any weather condition right and that includes right. the fact that they are actually snow rated so theoretically you can run them all summer through into snow and they have they are set up to have better grip in the snow than an all season, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but run year round. Your experience may vary. We have actually had people write into the program that they have put all weathers on their car and been shocked at the performance in the summer and been fine in the snow. I can think of a guy locally here that drives a Mazda 3 that did that and has loved it. Right. right. So it exists. It's possible. That is the big blurring going on right now between full winters and all seasons is the all weather. Yes. I. I again – I want you to really focus on the contact patch yes. kind of thinking rather than tire plus car and drive wheels because we see SUVs in the ditch. We see pickup trucks in the mm-hmm. ditch. We'll see all-wheel drive cars sliding off the road. Yes, It comes down to the patch first. So always think about the patch, the weight of your car, all that kind of stuff is primary when you're crafting the recipe. Then what do you want to get out of that patch? Are you doing performance driving? Mm-hmm. Are you, mm-hmm. you know, is it in the ice and snow? What is that patch being asked to do? Well, I also think the big thing that we all, I mean, we all get confused about is when you think about winter traction, you instantly think about, I need to leave the light. Mm-hmm. That's not the right part of it to worry about. Right. It's, I need to get stopped again. Yeah. And when you need to yes. get stopped again, especially when something unexpected happened or suddenly you hit ice and now you're sliding, you now are drive wheel irrelevant. 
Exactly. Your ability to get control back or to get stopped has nothing to do with the drive wheels. It has to do with how good is the grip of those tires. Waleed Z is asking us if we've noticed a design cycle every decade or so where car styling goes from boxy to rounded and back to boxy and again, back and forth. Waleed, what I've noticed (laughs) is actually when designers discover the windshield that tilts forward, like the control tower at a major airport, you know how the glass tilts out and tilts forward, and everybody thinks they've discovered something. And they tilt the windshield the other way. Oh, that's <laughs> Have you seen this? Everybody's tried that for a million years. All the designers, all the students, everybody's tried that look. Okay. Doesn't work for cars. Okay. Stop. But yes, Walid has noticed that in both sports cars and trucks and SUVs, this is happening. Well, also what you're seeing is manufacturing techniques, the result of designers and engineers working with the people, the teams that just build the car, that are doing mm-hmm. the castings the injection molding, the urethane sheet forming, and the sheet metal stamping. How are cars made? How are they putting together? What's the budget for the car? What do we have to work with? And then where is the place in the market? What are we going after? What kind of consumer? And then, of course, now the combinations. Do you remember the Ford Taurus from the 90s? Yeah. That was just ellipses everywhere. Just draw (laughs) from your shoulder, just giant ellipses everywhere. (laughs) Congratulations, you've drawn a Taurus. (laughs) Or a house shoe, depending, yes. But then we pulled back from that and struck a line, struck (laughs) an interesting line that wrapped around, and oh, well, we've got to meet the surface. So now we're seeing interesting lines everywhere, and now the combination of that, I think, is well executed on the brand new 2021 Acura TLX. Interesting, okay. yeah. I'm seeing a lot of crisp, very aggressive lines that are right next to the most swollen, puffed-out shape over the rear fender but it works. Hmm, okay. So I think I'm, I'm seeing a combination, whereas Cadillac used to be known for the arc and line, just very crisp, very hard-edged. Mm-hmm. The surfaces mm-hmm. in between were almost irrelevant. It was just the filler in between the lines. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, the combination of the two, you want a theme, whatever that is. Right now, you're seeing a great mix across the entire car industry by brand because you can't point to a certain, you know, a particular style across all of cars. Mercedes is defining everything by the highlights and the shapes. They have very little mm. character lines, mm. but they have a lot of character. Those shapes have a lot of form and very crafted surfaces. On the other hand, what are we seeing with BMW right now? Very hard edge lines, a lot of them to define the shape. Two different directions. So now it's depending really on the theme of the car company. What are we going after? Who are we appealing to? Mm. Interesting. That's good stuff. There's a question here that I'm going to try to break down. I actually did some looking up. Look at me. Peter Galindez is asking about the size of the Corvette C8. Mm, he feels yes. like whenever he's seen one, it's much bigger than he thought it was. Peter, they're not small. They're big cars. They're 38, 3,900 pounds, right around 3,800 pounds, I guess. No, it's it's, it's like 36, 37. I'm sorry. I'm getting it a little wrong. It's about 36, 3,700 pounds. Yes. yes Wait, but they're big. They're, they're large cars. We wish it were lighter, but it's... Uh, but at the same time, um, yeah, so are a lot of those things that are that size. Yeah. I'll give you a frame of reference. The 992, when the last time you saw one of those in the wild, and stood by it, the current 911 992 has become a pretty big car. So to yes. give you a frame of reference, the 992, and I've actually got it here in front of me, the 992 versus the C8. The C8 is about three inches longer and two inches wider than a 911. Okay. Now, while that's okay. significant, it's not a huge difference. It's just that it's so low 
and flat-sided that it seems enormous until you drive it, and then it doesn't. Those two cars are very different in terms of proportion and yes. style. Yes, the 911 is all about form, and the flowing, Corvette is yeah. all about surface. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And yeah. it, it makes one look bigger depending on you know where That's you're good. standing. But the good news is, Peter, the Corvette drives smaller than it is. Mm-hmm. That absolutely does. Harvey M says he seems to like it when he hear, hears or reads about a car being praised as being honest. But it also seems to describe being described as basic, lacking features, lacking refinement, the term honest. Mm-hmm. So does that mean an automaker can achieve the accomplishment of an honest car just by not trying very hard and doing things cheaply? If not, what exactly is an honest car? What's going on here? Honesty for me refers to two things. I think you might be referring to the recent video we did on our test drive channel of the new Mazda 3 Turbo. Mm. We think it's a very honest car because it doesn't have aspirations to be the hottest hot hatch there ever is. Mm. And therefore, in going after kind of a new market, more of a luxurious upscale market with still some good performance, but not a track, not a racetrack in mind, that seems to me the entire project brief executed by the design team and the engineers we're honest about it. They're mm. honest about what they want the result to be. Mm. And here is the result, a great car to drive. It's brilliant. Okay. All right. It does the things most of us look for on a daily basis. It doesn't do all the track stuff, but yeah. they, they've told us and they know we're not going after that stuff. Yeah. We're being yeah. honest with you. The other thing, Harvey, is materials. When I talk about honest materials, what I mean is specifically metal. You look at a piece of car. Aston Martin's a great example. Oh, sure. I know where you're going. The yeah. piece of metal that looks like metal actually is made out of metal. <laughs> Allure, when steel, that happens. Isn't it? Whatever yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, car manufacturers want that look because of upscale or a different perception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's a plating on top of yeah. an injection molded yeah, yeah. plastic piece. It's not, it's not wood. Yes. It's wood applique. Car manufacturers, <laughs> actually suppliers, tier one, two, and three suppliers have gotten very good at faking it, Yeah, faking yeah. The, the wood trim. And again, keep in mind, you don't want a big chunk of wood in your car because in an accident, that turns into a lot of splinters. <laughs> you want it to be veneer-like. You want it to be very thin. Yeah. But now, the faked material that is getting so much better, it's still dishonest. Mm, it still mm. makes you have a different luxurious perception about it, which means the car manufacturer can raise the price because of your higher perception of it. Okay. It's dishonest. Yeah. It works. (laughs) Versus you feel the door handle and the door of an old 911. It's entirely metal. It's all metal. Everything, the handle, the hinges, the badge, the trunk, all metal. (laughs) There's no plastic. That's metal. Yep. Versus, you know, modern later cars. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. That's where I don't want to say they cut corners. It's they're they're saving cost by yeah. manufacturing that part out of you know thermoplastics. Well, that might break. It'll it's going to last a lot longer. It's harder to form that piece of metal. You have to do simpler shapes. They can't be as complex engineered. Mm-hmm. So there's a give and take. But the metal, you know, it's the piece of thing made out of metal held on by screws on the back. That's a very honest way of building yeah, materials yeah, yeah. Yeah, in yeah. anything: cars, houses everything. But then when you get into plated plastics, you think, huh, but then now they're so good. We don't care anymore. It just feels good. It looks good. It's like, Oh, it looks like what I'll, I'll sure. I'll believe that. I'll believe what my eyes tell me. Lotus Elise loud, frightening, it's like filmmaking. Honest. Yeah. It's like filmmaking. You have told me 
the camera lies. Yes. Let's make it lie. Yeah. Let's yeah, take yeah. advantage of that and not like, don't resist, you know, camera adds 15 pounds or whatever. Yeah. Well, let's make it lie. Yeah. By positioning it creatively. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things is to see the behind the scenes photos of something that is a very intimate moment on camera. That can be two <laughs> people having an intimate moment on camera. It can be yeah. a single product perfectly lit. Okay. And when you see the photo of the room that accomplished this moment that looks so private and nice and perfect, <laughs> and it's carnage. I just love that. It always makes me laugh. Atomic Gumby is asking about uh, the new BRZ, eventually, obviously, the 86. Obviously, it's going to have, as we've all heard, more power, hopefully going to be better. I'm very excited about it. Uh, don't get me started. But his question is, wait a minute, wait a minute. If that car shows up, with a power improvement mm. and a manual transmission and a price point underneath the two-liter Supra, does it make the two-liter Supra irrelevant? Mm. Now, mm. we just did a stepbrothers piece with the current 86 versus the, the stepbrother uh, the, of the Supra. And you and I disagreed quite a bit in that piece, but it was very fun. We will probably have to do it again yeah, when yeah. this car shows up. But I actually think there's a perception thing going on here. Okay. People are still going to know, people in the parking lot are still going to know that the Supra in any form cost more than the BRZ in any form. Absolutely. There will be people that are shopping for a 40 or so thousand dollar sporty car, and they're not going to buy, even if they should, let's say theoretically, they're not going to buy a $30,000 sporty car. They're going to buy one that cost 40. This is what Toyota is counting on. I think it will make the three liter Supra even more compelling because it will be the worthwhile jump from the 86 platform. But again, this is all TBD. Real Joshua Allen asks, what's a car that we are excited to get in and drive, but we're disappointed? Driving dynamics, quality, mm. or overall first impressions? Mm. I'm just going to leave you with a short list. Oh, you made a list. Wow. Well, it's, it's only two cars long. That's fine. Bring it. It depends on the subject matter we're talking about for both of these cars. Okay. It depends on the element that you're suggesting here. The Cadillac CT4 video is coming. Mm -hmm. So is the Acura TLX video. Mm -hmm. We like good and bad things about both of them. And in those videos, we we're surprised by some things that we thought would be good and surprised by others that were, we thought uh, they're not going to pay attention to that part of the car. And mm -hmm. they did. We went, whoa. Both those ca cars were, did not meet our expectations and still surprised us in other areas. Yeah. Very interesting that you bring those up because you're absolutely right. Jake Ra Ramey has a track daily crush. Do you see this one? Mm-hmm. The BMW M4 competition, <laughs> the Audi RS5, or the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio track <laughs> daily crush. Kind of have an idea of what you're going to go, what, what you're going to do. I'm going to track the Alfa. I mean, I, I would probably just pick the Alfa, to be honest, across the you're board, but I can't do to it. the track. It'd, it'd, be, it'd be, yeah, just crush everybody else I want the Giulia. Exactly. Because I really like that car. But I think, hmm, hmm. I think I might actually crush the M4 and daily the Audi. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. Interesting. I, it, Explain I, yourself. I'm I'm torn there to be honest, but I think that the Audi, the M4 competition. I think I would like it more on the track, but I already have my track car in the Julia because I love the rotation okay. of that car. So the M4 is kind of left as a man without a country. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Because I, I don't want to track the Audi. Sure. And the daily, the Julia daily would be fine, but it belongs on the track. Okay. So the M4, it kind of gets, just gets shut out. There's nothing wrong with it. It'd be a perfectly good car to daily. I think it'd be a wonderful car to daily. However, 
the RS5 would be great to daily and doesn't belong on the track. So the M4 gets crushed. I've got another track daily crush that we'll leave you on from Twitter. Numbers and corn says that this is an exercise in mid engine concept cars, track daily crush. Oh, okay. The Oldsmobile Aerotech. Okay. I'm going to look these up. Keep going. The Chrysler ME412 is the ME412 supercar and the Ford GT90. I never liked the execution of the Ford GT90, despite the fact that that particular concept car was built using the Jaguar XJ220 chassis number 000001. Pardon me while I cry quietly. So just because they did that, I'm going to crush it just to get back at it. (laughs) We're going to get back at it. Okay, got it. I am going to track the Aerotech because that's kind of what it was designed for. It is very cool. And I'm going to drive the Chrysler ME412, even though it's a car that I think the designers should have stopped sketching long ago. But that was the sign of the times. That was what cars, car companies were doing. That was, it, it was very crisp. It was very delineated. But I just still feel like they should stop sketching. Guys, thank you for all your questions. Really, really appreciate it. We've we got so much going on, and we cannot wait to share Season 8. It's very Coming at now. you in yep. less than a month. Mm-hmm. Todd just fell over. I did, yes. <laughs> that, that, that clunk you heard was me falling over buried in footage, but it's, it's, it's good footage. That's the good thing. Guys, thank you again. We're always looking forward to the next time. Cheers, everybody.